Well, I just, I'm so privileged. I just could hardly wait to get here and speak. You know, I just, uh, it's, it's an honor to be in a great church. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I get to minister to a lot of people, a lot of pastors, and pastors call me and different things. And I get a chance to minister. Come on, iPad. There we go. Um, I get a chance to minister in a lot of, you know, to a lot of pastors and different things. And I would put your pastors at the top of my top two or three people that I know in the world today. I mean, you know, I, I'm on Casey Treat's board. I, hang, I hung out with Rick Godwin and Casey Treat this week. And I would put those guys right in that same category. Bigness doesn't necessarily mean greatness. And so you better hang on to your pastor. Here's a little thought. Here's a little thought. Um, sometimes, have you ever had this, Mark? Have you ever had somebody ask you this? What do you do during the week? Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> This, this is a guy that just left my church. and, and uh, no, I, no, this is seriously. He just left my church, and he got mad because he wanted some counseling, and somehow I didn't get to him, and somehow I passed him off to a, a business guy, and he forgot to call him. And, and so he said, I'm, I'm looking for another church. And I said, cool deal. I'll, I'll pray for the perfect church for you. Well, then he got mad about that. And so I sent him this letter. Hey, I guess I offended you with my answer, and for that I'm truly sorry. It was not intentional. Not to make excuses, but this week I've been dealing with a person that was suicidal. Another person we found out tried to commit suicide. Our youth conference, Easter service, a friend in the hospital, selling our two church properties, buying our new church properties, two pastors calling for me for advice about church problems, an elder with brain cancer, another one with prostate cancer, a man causing discord over some doctrinal issues, a cousin getting married, a family in our church that divorce is killing their family. These things don't include upkeep on my own family and are just things I dealt with this past week. My intention is not to offend you, but hopefully give you a perspective of why we don't intentionally overlook people, but it does happen, and for that I'm truly sorry. You know what his response to me was? Ah, that's your job. Suck it up and do it. So he is now... We killed him till God he died, and God said, and God said, I know, you know. So sometimes when you think your pastors, I, you ought to you ought to just give great honor. Let's give great honor to your pastors tonight. They're they're wonderful people. Uh, a greetings from my wife, um, my wife of 29 years in our church. We 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 started pastoring three months after we got married, and I was 23, she was 21. I was born again four years. She was born again two years. Filled with the Holy Ghost th three years for me. And she was filled with the Holy Ghost one year. Don't ever allow that to happen to anybody else in the world. Here's a thought I had. Here's a prayer that we were praying this year. Maybe you could join with me in this. Uh, my prayer for 2011 is a big, fat bank account and a slim body. Please don't mix those up like you did last year. <laughs> just saying. Got some, uh, some series back there. I, 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 the secretary's put these in there. I'm going to teach something about this uh, tonight. This is going to be rocking off the charts. The Biggest Loser is your, uh, we kind of use the, the show. It's one of my favorite shows on television. I love that show. But this show is, uh, or this series of lessons is, do not buy this series unless you want to lose your old life. If you, you want to lose your old garbage way of living, uh, just don't buy this series because this series will rock you. And there's no alcoholics in the world. There's no uh, there's no lazy people in the world. There's just people without strong vision, and that's what this series is about. I choose series, um, just stuff we choose about, and then the tithe is holy. We're going to share a little thought with you on that tonight. So, uh, I just am so thrilled to be here. This is just a great, fantastic church, and I'm just honored and just my privilege to be here tonight. I'm so thrilled. Let me give you. a um, an experience that I had. Let me talk to you about an experience I had with God. One uh, fifteen on January twenty sixth, two thousand and ten. So about a year and a half ago. This recession hit our. Um, this recession hit our town, and um, I, I don't know if it's did it hit here pretty hard too. The recession, you know, yeah. This recession hit really hard in our in our town, and. Um, and so we, we were going along there and, and just, you know, we watched our church finance. And I can always tell, see, it's not just about the church finances, but when the church finances go down, I know that people's finances are going down. Church finances are down, people's finances are down because people, you know, we, we have givers in our church. 
And by the way, I enjoyed the men's breakfast. Did you guys enjoy that this morning? Yeah. Man, I'll tell you, no bed wet mama's boys in this church. I'm telling you what. <laughs> good men in this church. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, um, anyway, back on the story. We were, we were just, we, I, I was just seeking the Lord. I started seeking the Lord. I just said, Lord, I, I got to know, I got to have an answer for this, this whole recession thing. And I just said, come on. I mean, I mean I, I, and I was looking at scriptures like, uh, you know, l- let's just turn to a scripture here. Turn to Genesis chapter 26 real quick. And I, I'm, I'm not really going to preach. I'm just going to talk to you about this experience I had with God and this download. The, the Lord downloaded something for me that I believe is for the whole body of Christ. Um, I sent Casey Treat these tapes this week, and he's going to preach this coming up here in his church. But I just sat there, and I, I sought the Lord. I said, you know, I, I looked all over the word, and I, I see that here Isaac was in verse, chapter 26, verse 1, says there was famine in the land, or there was a recession in the land. Besides this first famine, there was in the days of Abraham and Isaac and went to Abimelech, the king uh, of the Philistines, Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land which I will tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply, and all the seeds uh, uh, as the stars of the, of the heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands, and your seed, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And then verse 12 says this. Then Isaac, so Isaac was going to basically, there was famine, there was recession. He was going to change his whole way of living. He was going to go down and, and extract counsel from a place that was prosperous, which was the world. And he said, don't go down there. Don't go down and extract counsel from the world. He said, you stay where you're at. So then it says, verse 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the, man get, and the man began to prosper and continue prospering until he began to very prosperous, and he had, for he had possessions. So I asked the Lord, I said, okay, Father, I, I, I'm just this old logger. You know, I just, you know, I logged for a while. And, I, you know, when I got saved, I was chewing Copenhagen, smoking Marlboros, drinking Schlitz, and doing a lot of other things that you don't even want to know about. And I got saved. And so I just, I'm raw with God. I'm raw with our guys this morning. I'm raw with God. I said, I, got, I, said, I, I, don't, I don't do the King James thing. Oh, thouest, oh, goddest, what's up with this recessionist, you know? <laughs> I just say, hey, God, what's up? You know, where's the God of the Bible? This is what I tell, I, this is what I said. Where's the God of the Bible? Where's my hundredfold return? Where's, where's the Christian's hundredfold return in this recession? See, I'm, I, you may not ask the question, but I ask the question. Where's the Christian's hundredfold return in this recession? Father, I need to know. If we're going to live for you and seek you and serve you, and you got this, the God that, Sends, you know, he preaches from a boat, sends the boat out, they send the net off, and the nets break, there's so many fish. Got some tax problem, go down and get, you know, go down and get a fish out of the ocean and, and pull it up, and there's money in the fish's mouth. Where's that God? I started just, I asked the question. I mean, I, you may not ask the question, but I do. I said, Father, where's the, where's the, where's the God of the Bible? You know, from what I see from our church, you know, it looks to me like people are getting laid off in the same rate as everybody else. Seems like things are just getting depressed around here. And, and I literally, my board and I had made preparations to lay off half of our staff. We were going we to lay I, I never will tell them which ones I was going to lay off. <laughs> but I was going to lay half of, half of my staff off. And so I said, Lord, where, where's the God of the Bible? January, January, um, January 26th, at 1.15 a.m., I woke out of a sleep, and the Lord spoke to me four words that changed. I believe I have a message as a prophetic message for this church, for every church I speak this in. I got a book coming out on this. Um, I'm going to get this across the nation. But the Lord spoke to me four words, which I'm going to tell you what they are in just a second. But I knew it was his voice because I heard his voice four other times in this manner. When I first got saved in 1978, I was in a laundromat. And I was no more planning on getting saved than the man in the moon. I didn't want Jesus. I didn't care about him. I just wanted the girl I was with. She was a Christian, read the Bible to me all, all that day. And I was in this laundromat because I had to go, you know, do my laundry. I was going to go to church with her for the first time. And, you know, I was 18. It was the first time in 62 years I'd ever been to the church, you know. <laughs> 
And really, I was just after carnal things. You go there. I was after carnal things. She was a beautiful girl. I was after carnal things. And she read the Bible to me all day long. And I was in a laundromat. And you walk into this laundromat, double doors like this, and there's these little chairs sitting right along the window here. And then I was doing laundry there. And I was sitting like in the second chair over, and she was sitting right next to me. 1978, September 23rd, 1978, 8 o'clock in the evening. And I'm sitting there, and she looks at me, and she says this. When are you going to get saved? Because I didn't even know what salvation was, but she explained it to me. She had explained it to me for weeks. She said, when are you going to get saved? And I said, you know, I probably someday, you know, just getting her off my back. And this voice spoke to me. And it was the voice of many waters. I can't explain it other than it's inside and it's loud. And I didn't, I, I didn't even tell her because I didn't, I mean, I didn't, you know how spiritual things sometimes happen to you and you go, did that really happen? <laughs> but this voice of many waters spoke to me and he spoke these words. He said this, it's now or never. And I said, I think I'm going to get saved right now. <laughs> And that was, I got saved that night. And you know what my prayer for salvation was? If you can make me like this girl, make me like her. A year later, I was at Ramah. Two years later, I was out of Ramah. Three years later, I was pastor in church. And it was amazing to me is three seconds before I got saved, I wasn't planning on it and didn't want God. And he cared that much about me to speak that voice to me. Second time I heard this voice was a refreshing in prayer thing that he gave me. Third time I heard this voice, he told me to pray for a, a national leader. You have to understand this is over 30 years. The fourth time, time I heard this voice, it was about some things with communion in our church. I won't go into the story there, but the voice was very stern in that one. He said, I was asking about some church problems. He says, because you don't serve communion anymore. And I went, oh, yes, sir. We'll serve communion this Sunday, and we'll serve <laughs> communion once a month from this point forward. Long story. But the fifth thing he spoke to me January, January 15th, did I say that? 26th, at 1.15 in the morning, I woke up out of a deep sleep, and I'm saying, where's the God? I've, I've been seeking the Lord. Where's the God? of the, Where's the prosperous God of the Bible? And these words he said to me, and with these words, he downloaded three, four, five hours worth of teaching with these words. He said these words to me in a nice way. It wasn't a stern voice, it wasn't just the, but it was the same voice. It's like you're hearing your mom's voice. You know when it's stern, and you know when it's not stern. He said these words to me, the tithe is holy. And when he said that, there was a download from heaven that I saw scriptures that I, in a different light than I'd ever seen before. He said, the tithe is holy. And I knew from what he said, and I'll explain this to you as we go along, but I knew from what he said that I had the answer to the recession that's in America today. I'm bold enough to believe that I've got the answer. I don't know why. I'm, God uses Chew, spit, and lager, cool deal, fine with me. But he said, the tithe is holy. And, and he, said, he said, that you have made it unholy. This is where I, the download just came. When I say he spoke those words to me, and then this download just came and said, your church has made the tithe unholy. And he didn't say that to me, but that was the download. I just knew that we had made it unholy. And here's how we'd made it unholy two ways. Number one is we just refuse to tithe, or we just don't tithe. Uh, by, there's three reasons why we don't tithe. Either doctrinal issues, we don't believe it's in the New Testament, which is the dumbest thing. You have to take Hebrews out of the New Testament to believe it's not in the New Testament. Number two, for budgeting reasons, we've just overspent ourselves. We, we can't afford to tithe because we just dumb stuff with our offerings or with our money. Or number three, we just, we're just rebellious and we don't want to do it. But the second reason, and that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time in talking about, this is what he said to me. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. This was the download that came to me. In Philippians chapter 4, I, I noticed this. This is the way we received our offerings up until this point. Um, worship would, worship would uh, be done, and I love your worship, man. I, there's just, I, I don't know who the drummer is, but I love that guy already, man. He's a, he's got a, I can tell that kid's got a good heart, good kid. Love your worship tonight. I like it loud and proud. You guys don't like it loud and proud? You know, I've learned from the Old Testament from worship, after doing a study on worship, that, you know, my church is loud and, you know, really driving in our worship. 
And I've learned that we're about one-tenth the way there to the Old Testament where they were worshiping in the Old Testament. So we're not quite, we're about one-tenth there. So if you think it's loud and proud now, wait till we have biblical worship. It's going to be even louder than that. But, um, but I started seeing the way we did things. We, we would get done with worship. I would make the transition. I would, I would do visitors. And then I would do, we would do uh, some announcements. And then I would do a few scriptures on the offering. And then we'd say, uh, let's, let's pass the offering buckets, and, and I'd say, and here's the Faith Center update, and all of our announcements are on video, so our announcements would come up, and people are walking down the aisles, you know, hey, you know, the ushers are walking down the aisles, hey, what's going on, brother, how you doing, man, good to see you today, wow, good to see you, man, passing the buckets along, hey, how's your kid today, what's going on, people getting up, using the restroom, talking on their cell phones, and all of a sudden, I thought to myself, huh, Leviticus 27 says, verse 30 says, the tithe is holy and it belongs to the Lord. What if you serve communion and the ushers are walking down the aisles, slapping high fives, talking on their cell phone, people getting up and using the restroom during communion? And I thought to myself, that is an outward expression of how we treat God and his offering unto him. And Philippians 4 says this. I never saw this before. These are some of the scriptures just downloaded to me. Verse uh, 16 says this. Even in Thessalonica, you sent and once again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I, I seek that fruit may abound to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound and am full and have received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Now watch this. A sweet-smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I never saw that before, that he says an acceptable sacrifice. If there's an, uh, an acceptable sacrifice, I wonder if there's an unacceptable sacrifice. There, by virtue of there being an acceptable sacrifice, there has to be an unacceptable sacrifice. And so I, I thought to myself, you know what? We have treated the tithe... Like it's, like it's just something almost weird and, and strange the way we receive our offerings. And our people have no respect for the tithe that belongs to God. So first off, and this is all just, you have to understand, when he said the tithe is holy, it's taken me this long to explain what came to me just in, instantaneously. I mean, this, this all downloaded just like, you know, wow. And, and I went, whoa, this is amazing. And I begin to see that, that God is saying that we have to reverence his gift. And, and so we've changed the whole way we do offerings and things. We just cha changed everything. Now, it's not about you know, the way we do it is not about the way we do it doesn't make it holy. But now we come right off of our worship service and buckets on the front of the stage and people come up and families come up joining hands together and they pray over their tithe. And guys, the testimonies of people that have tied their whole life, the testimonies have, have been amazing that have come in since they've just put a reverence on their tithe and not just went, throw it in the bucket. But they put a reverence on their tithe and they've honored God with their tithe and realized that the, the tithe belongs to the Lord and is His. And so then I begin to just see all these scriptures. Look over in Genesis chapter 14. Let's, let's look at the first recorded tithe in the Bible. Genesis chapter 14. Oh, man, this is just... I have an assignment from the Lord. And, and you, know, you know what? I'm going to tell you. Uh, I have an assignment for the Lord now to, to, to preach this everywhere I go. If I, you know, if, and I always ask the pastor if it's, if it's possible that I do this, if I, they invite me. But it's amazing the testimonies that are coming from the people um, one of, I approached this up in Canada, 25% increase in the church finances and the people's testimonies are just flowing in like you can't believe. Jobs are getting, people are getting jobs and different things. And, you know, you can't believe some of the testimonies in our church. I, I wish I had time to go in. you just have to buy my book when I get it out. But testimonies and testimonies of things. But it's because I believe it's just the, the little difference in the way we, we tithe anyway. I hope you tithe anyway. But we reverence the tithe and we give it to God. Now look in Genesis chapter 14, verse 14 says, Now when Abraham, Abram, now he wasn't Abraham yet, he was Abram, heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were 
born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot, his goods, with all the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaba, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Shandalorum and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and he blessed God, or he blessed, blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemy into your hands, and he gave him tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and the goods for yourself, and take the goods for yourselves. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. I will take nothing from a thread or a sandal strap, and I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. So here he brings out, Melchizedek brings out bread and wine. Now is that a holy meal or what? He brings out bread and wine. Now listen, guys. In, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, let's turn over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 7, or is the date? Hebrews chapter 7. We'll go to 7 and see if it's there. If it's not, it's in 8. 7. In Hebrews chapter 7, he gives this account in Hebrews chapter 7. And he says this. Melchizedek, this Melchizedek, chapter 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of the first being translated king of righteousness and also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Now for the sake of time, let's skip down to verse 7. So here's, he's comparing Melchizedek to, to, he's Melchizedek to Jesus' ministry. He says, now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Verse 8, here mortal men receive tithes. That's what your pastor is going to do later. But there he receives them. Who's, the, who's he? That's Jesus, of whom it is witness that he lives. Now, I don't have time to break down all this stuff and some very cool stuff about the tithe in here. I don't have time to break all this down. But think about this. Gosh, think about this. Think about this. Watch, watch this. He compares Jesus to Melchizedek. The only reason that we know that Melchizedek existed in the Old Testament, we don't have any other, there's no genealogy, we don't know anything about Melchizedek other than one thing. He was there, put on earth, to receive Abraham's tithe. And he compares Jesus to Melchizedek. Now, we know some of the ministries of Jesus. We know some of the things Jesus has seated at the right hand of the Father to make intercession, all those kind of things. But when he compares him to Melchizedek, one of the main jobs that Jesus has today is in heaven. When you put your tithe into the offering bucket, Jesus there receives your tithe also. This is, the tithe is not a money issue the tithe is a heart issue. The tithe has never been about money. It's about heart. The tithe has never been about money. It's about heart. But you can't separate the two. So here it says Melchizedek, here, the, he compares him. He says the only reason, the basic only reason Melchizedek exists was to receive a man's tithe. And now when we bring our tithe and we put it in the offering bucket, however you receive your tithe, it doesn't have to be up on the altar, but... You know, you, you could give it, my wife and I give online. Actually, our tithe comes right out of our checking account, right into our church's bank account. That's the way we tithe. But we pray over it every week. We don't pray over it physically, but we join hands every week and we agree over our, our tithe in prayer every week. And so this amazing thing, Jesus, one of the major ministries of Jesus, one of the major things that he's called to do is to receive our tithe. 1 Corinthians 16, 12 says, on the first day of the week. Why the first day of the week? He says, lay up for something. He doesn't mention tithe in there, but he says, lay up something in store. 1 Corinthians 16, 12. He says, lay something up. Lay something up. Why on the first day of the week? Why did he say on the first day of the week? You know the first day of the week is Sunday, right? You know that? Because they considered that day holy. And so there, he's saying, do something on the first day of the week. Why? Because they considered when they gave something, it was holy holy. So guys, I'm telling you, there's something about this whole situation. There's something about this that I'll tell you, if you'll learn this lesson, if you'll treat your tithe as a holy thing, an, a reverence, an honor to God. Uh, you know, now we've got people, we worship during our tithe time. We Sometimes we'll just blast it out. Sometimes, most of the time, it's a slow song. We'll, and people will stand and they'll come to the altar and they'll 
they'll give their finances and they pray and different things. And, and we pray over the offering and different things. And I'm telling you, it's brought such a holiness to this thing. It's been amazing. Now, let's get into some of this. Other, I, this, is a whole, this is a whole series here. I've got this. I just did this for the, um, I think this is the new series. But this is, yeah, it's a three series. And I did, this is only one, just the first tape of this. But three series on this that goes into some of the benefits and different things of the time. Let's go into Malachi now, chapter 3. We'll camp there almost the rest of the time, Malachi chapter 3. You're going to get some revelation out of here that's going to blow your mind. Malachi chapter 3. It's interesting to me, verse 7 says, From the days of your fathers you've gone away from my ordinances, verse 7. Malachi chapter 3, or some Italians would like to say Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> Yet from the days of your fathers you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, notice this now, watch this. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, and what shall we return? Okay, now that just, that's, that, that put it over the top. He's saying, I want a relationship with you. He said, return to me. Now, most pastors, we would stop right there and we'd say, come to the altar and pray. Repent, get your life right. Oh, not God. Not God. Isn't it amazing? God's, God's strange compared to us. We, all of us pastors, we, we would be poli we're politically correct. We'd say, come to the altar, get your life right. You don't know God. You don't have to do anything. God said, look, you want to return to me in a relationship? You've gone away from a relationship with me. Well, what have you gone away from a relationship with me? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Wow. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house. Try me now on this, says the Lord. If I'm not open to you the windows of heaven, pour you out such a blessing, and not have room enough to receive it. Now let's stop right there a second. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this curse with a curse thing. This is one of these, this is part of the download that came to me. I've never heard anybody preach this this way, but it makes so much sense when you hear it preached the way I'm going to preach it. See, you're cursed with a curse. So now, look, let's say that, um, let's say that P PJ, right? Say PJ's not born again. He comes in here for the first time. And I give an altar call, and he comes to the altar. And I welcome him, and I say, PJ, this is so exciting that you are now saved. But I want you to know, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. The good news is, you have one-way ticket to heaven. The bad news is, if you don't start tithing next week, you're under a curse. That's the way most pastors preach that. They don't say they preach it that way, but that's why they preach it. So in other words, he, can't, he doesn't get the revelation for, for a year and a half to, about tithing because he's got a money issue. So he's cursed with a curse because now, we're, now I want to pronounce on you that you, heaven is your home, but I want to pronounce on you also a curse on your life because you're not tithing. That's the way I, I preached it that way. I, did, I mean, I didn't think I was preaching it that way, but I preached it that way. I had to go back and throw out all my old tapes on that. <laughs> For you people under 40, those, those CDs, but we call them tapes still, but they're really CDs. <laughs> if you're 60, we call them 8-tracks, but anyway, we don't want to do that. So he comes up, he gets saved, and we say, I just want to pronounce on you, there's good news and bad news, you're saved, but you're cursed with a curse. That's why we preach it. But what the Lord was saying was just simply this. If you read on, he's saying, Will a man rob God? You've robbed me. What have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse. He said, he said, and then he says, Bring all your tithes in the storehouse, there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If you leave in the context what of saying, what of his saying, what he's saying is this. Would you try it my way, please? Look at the way you're doing it. It's not working. You're cursed. Look at there's a curse on your life. Your way isn't working. Would you just try it my way? He's not pronouncing a curse on you. He's already pointing out the way you're doing it is not working. Because you're not tithing, because, you, because you're in the world system of doing things, things are messed up for you. Why don't you at least unhook and try my way one time? That's all he's saying there. He's not pronouncing something that wasn't already there on you. He's just saying, would you please just try it my way one time and see if it works. He said, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing. 
they'll not have room enough to receive it. So he's not, he's not pronouncing the Christian curse on you if you don't tithe. He's just pointing out and saying, you're a flipping mess. Your finances are a mess. Would you come over here and just try it my way? And he says, and then he talks about that relationship with him because the tithe is an issue of the heart. And it's like that heart where you, you go up to God and you, you go to the altar and you take your, your tithe and you worship God with it and you say, Father, I trust you. I want you to know that I pour out my life upon you. Lord, I trust you with this 10%. I give it to you because I honor you and I trust you. And I say, Father, have my life in your hands and I trust you with my finances. You don't think God's not going to get busy on your behalf? Then he goes on to say this. He says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there might be food in my house or meat in my house. Now, it's interesting to me. You know, we as pastors, I've been around... I've been around this thing 29 years. In September, or actually December, will be 29 years of pastoring the same church. And that's amazing, by the way. You have pastors committed to life for this place. You've probably been in places where they switch pastors every four or five years. That gets real old. Stick with your pastors through the thick and thin. But he says this. He says that there might be food in my house. I've heard this. If I've heard this once, I've heard it 100 times. Well, I left that church because I wasn't getting fed. I'm just not getting enough meat. They're not, they're not teaching me meat. Well, you know what? I can't find anywhere in the word where that responsibility falls on the pastor. I find where it falls on the people. He said, bring the tithe in the storehouse, and there will be food in my house. Amen. You know what pastors are thinking about all across America today? What staff member do I have to lay off this week? How come we can't get that building? We're not making our building payments. We're not doing this. We're not doing this because people have bought into the fear of recession instead of honoring the Lord with their tithe. And when they honor the Lord with their tithe, that fear will leave and prosperity will start filling the house. Amen. Guys, I've got, I've got people that beat out two, three hundred people, two guys that beat out a couple hundred people for jobs, good, prosperous jobs, and they attribute it to keeping the tithe holy. I got one guy that got a $60,000 bonus. He was expecting a $10,000 bonus, and he got a $60,000 bonus. That guy moved to Boston, too. <clears throat> <laughs> Hasn't found a church yet. He's still on my board, and he's still tithing to us. So I don't know if I'm praying for a new church for him or not. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> then he says this. Try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing you will not have room enough to receive it. Hmm. Interesting. Windows. Window right back there. One thing that's unique about that window is that's a very unique window compared to biblical windows. You know why it's unique? Because you could see out of that window. You could see through that window. They didn't have glass in the Old Testament. There was no such thing as glass. A window was a board, a board that was closed and something you couldn't see. And the tithe takes like this. The tithe will allow you, you know, you've got this little room you live in, and you think this is your whole world that you live in, your business world you live in. And it goes just the edge of the stage. But the tithe opens that window up. And gives you a perspective, business-wise, of things you couldn't see before. There weren't glass windows back then. There were wood windows. You couldn't see through them. Yeah, he pours it out. Wow, look at this. I'm seeing something I couldn't see before. Let me give you something that happened to me. My wife and I have always treated the tithe holy. We didn't understand this. We didn't realize just how by, 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 just by default we've always done this. Because we'd rather, I'd rather, I'd never commit adultery on my wife and I'd never not tithe. That's how strong it is in my, in, my, in my life. We've tithed when we didn't have gas money. We've tithed when we, tithed when we didn't have food to eat. We tithed. I'd sell my house. I'd, I'd, I'd sell my house, sell my car. I'd do everything. I'm never going to dishonor the Lord by not tithing. Just, just who I am, and I've always been that way. Well, a few years ago, actually eight or nine years ago now, I had this, uh, we lived in this neighborhood, that was, and we lived in a nice house. It was, you know, 3,000 square foot house in a neighborhood. It was a nice neighborhood. But it was like one of these neighborhoods where if your neighbor opened his window and you opened your window, you could shake hands out of the, 
hey, neighbor, what's going on? You know, we were literally five feet from the property line. He was five feet from the property line. I said, you know, I've been, I was saying this for years. Someday we're going to have some property. We're going we're to have some property, you know. I don't know, one to five. I kept saying one to five acres. So finally, eight years ago, and this is probably December, um, and I, I don't know exactly the year, but December comes around. And I said, Therese, I said, let's go for our house this next year. Let's believe God for our house. I said, and, and I'm seeing something here. I, I said, I want, I want, this is how I explained it to her. I said, I want, I want a house that looks like an estate, you know. And I want a tree-lined driveway, fountain out in front, you know. I mean, I don't know why. I just, I, that's what I, and she, okay, let's, you know, we'll, let's build that or whatever. So one day my buddy is, uh, he owns a heating and air conditioning business, and he got a call from a bank and said, you know, this house needs some work on it. And, and um, so he was over doing some heating and air conditioning there, and there, his house had been thrashed. It was just the guy had lost the house, and he broke all the toilets, and it was, the, the kitchen was all cracked because he squirted water in the house. And, you know, and the hardwood floor is about 1,000 square foot of hardwood floors, and it was all warped and all this kind of stuff. So he's, um, you know, he's doing this heating and air conditioning thing, and, and he calls me up and says, hey, pastor, he said, I got this house I, th- I think you, you, know, you might be interested in. Uh, you might make some money. We might flip it and make some money because I, I do that a little bit. I said, I said, well, which one was it? And he told me. And I said, oh, I know where that house is at. I've drove by there many times. Tree-lined driveway, fountain out in front. <laughs> I said, I drove over there and got on my Harley and rode right over there. And, and, um, and I said, uh, hey, I said, I think this is my house. I said, tree-lined driveway, fountain out in front. And I love, you know, I love toilets breaking and all that kind of stuff because that just means cheap for me, you know. So I make this deal in the house. It was five acres, um, acre and a half of yard, five acres of, of just kind of, you know, some brush and some trees. And then, and then it opens up to hundreds of acres of county land. I ride my four-wheeler on 150-foot trees. And I can actually make my way down to a nice lake and everything and different stuff from the back of my property. So I, I made an offer on the house. And he wanted 340000 for it. And I said, nah. Two fifty. Anyway, we, we agreed. I, I bought it over the phone. I said three hundred thousand. So we made an offer, and I and so finally he you know he didn't know I had any money. He said, "Well, can you bring down some earn this money?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" So I acted like I was a big shot and I went down, put some five thousand dollars down. Anyway, make a long story short, rented out my house, bought the house. We moved in. It took us several months, but we moved in, and and we're gonna make it a grandkid house. We're gonna put a swimming pool in. We're gonna put a shop in, and shop, you know, shop and different things. And, and this is going to be a grandkid house. We're going to, you know, I'm, I mean, my son's a junior in high school, but we're planning ahead, you know. So we're in their house for about three or four years, and we got a letter in the mail. We want to buy your house. So, well, I wonder why they want to buy our house. So I called them up. I said, uh, you want to buy my house? Why do you want to buy my house? They said, well, your, your house is being rezoned. I said, it is? He said, yeah, it's being rezoned. It's not there yet, but we want to buy your house. And all of a sudden, offers started coming in on my house. Well, Centex Home, the fourth largest builder in the, in the country, made an offer of $2.5 million for my $300,000 investment on my house. Now, the economy flipped around and, you know, and everything, they backed out and we're still in the house. And we'll wait it out and maybe make a million on it or whatever. But what I thought was it was a desire that I had with the fountain out in front and tree-lined driveway. But it was the windows of heaven being open, and God let me see something that I couldn't see before, and he was leading me right to that specific house. Why? Because he knows what I will do with that $2.5 million. God opened up the windows of heaven, and I saw something that I couldn't see before. Now, like I said, we still live in the house, 3,300 square feet, four-bedroom den. You know, I got a bunch of kids living with me now, but we used to have three extra bedrooms, and just my wife and I, we kind of like that, just, you know, both of us running around there. But cool house. And now I'm suffering for Jesus, living in my five-acre, <laughs> 3,300 square foot house, four-bedroom with a den, with trails out and back that I can ride my four-wheeler, I'm suffering for Jesus until the time comes where the economy turns around and I can make my million and a half dollars off my house. 
How did I get that? The tithe is holy. Only thing I can explain to you. I'm a real estate investor, and I've never, ever, ever in my life come even close to that kind of deal before with all my real estate knowledge, but Jesus led me right to that house. Now, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Last scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 31. 2 Chron- Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Yes. 2 Chronicles 31. Don't, don't get offended. Every time um, you teach on finances, pastors don't like teaching on it because people get offended. They get mad and they leave churches. And that's all you talk about is money. It's, it's, isn't it interesting that that's all you talk about is money? <laughs> you know, we were in Macy's today and I bought a shirt. And I didn't walk up the counter and say, that's all you talk about is money. <laughs> Are you getting this? Now, I went through and studied, I went st- through and studied every scripture in the Old Testament because we don't have, we don't, we don't have a lot of New Testament patterns on how, on how they tithe because there's only a couple scriptures, a couple, three scriptures on, on tithing in the New Testament. And people say, well, therefore, that proves tithing's not in the New Testament. Well, if you're going to go with that philosophy, then you have to quit worship on Sunday mornings, too, because there's very little scripture about worship in the New Testament, too. Where do we get all of our worship patterns out of the Old Testament? There's very little stuff on, on worship in the New Testament. So if you're going to go with that philosophy, throw out the tithe, but also throw out the worship service also. And here in Second Chronicles, I, I went through all the scriptures on tithe, and every time that the tithe is mentioned, every time the tithe is mentioned in the Old Testament, when it is mentioned how they tithed, sometimes it just talks about the tithe, but when it is mentioned how they tithe, it was called a heave offering. Now, that's not puking. (laughs) Heave offering means a consecrated, dedicated offering. It was a worship time unto the Lord. It was consecrated and dedicated and a worship time unto the Lord. Watch this. Chapter 30, 1, and verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute and support for the priests and the Levites, that there might be devote themselves to the law of the Lord, or bring meat into the house. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine and oil and honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe. Of everything. I tithe off birthday money. And the children of Israel, Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen, of sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which are consecrated to the Lord, their God, and they laid them in heaps. And in the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people of Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, if I got that right, whatever, and the chief priests in the house of Zadok answered and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings unto the house of the Lord, we have enough to eat and plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is great abundance. What is left is great abundance. I believe this. There's something about this that if this church would dedicate themselves to the Lord through the tithe, not some kind of weird law, have-to thing. People say, because if you've got yourself to a place where you can't, and there's legitimately people at that place, then just give the widow's might until you can afford to. But don't just give up on it and say, I can't, therefore I won't. Give something the best you can and believe God that I'm going to eventually get to the place where where I'm going to give my tithe. No condemnation. There's no condemnation. God sees your heart. But the reality, do something. And if this church could break out in this, I'm telling you guys, if this church can break out of this, the church can make an impact on Boise like never before. Because this isn't a money issue. This is a heart issue. But you can't separate the two. You can't come up to the altar and put, you can't put your heart in an offering bucket. We have a, a, a group called uh, Teen Challenge that attends our church. Um, 
quite a bit. Teen Challenge is a drug and alcohol rehabilitation place. They call it Teen Challenge, and I don't know why. There's no teens in it. Most of the guys are 30 years old there. And when, when I preached on this, and you'd think these guys, these hardcore drug addict guys, would, would be all weirded out about it or something. You know, like, oh, please, he's just talking about money. You know what they did? They don't get anything except the reward that they get for being good is they get these little candies, little sweet candies. And they came up in our offerings, and they put their sweet candies in the offering because that's all they had. One guy brought his shoes to the altar and left them at the altar because that's all he had. And I thought, what selfish brats we are. And these guys are literally bringing up all they have. All they've got, a piece of candy, and they're bringing up drug guys, bringing up all they have. And we're peeled at the pastor because he's talking about our tithe. Here men that die receive tithes, yeah. That's why you turn on the lights. You know, my electric bill's three thousand a month. Just for my electric bill's three thousand a month. Here, the men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them. Whom there was witness that he lives. I hope that after tonight, you'll never ever treat the tithe the same, because it's holy. It's holy. When you honor the Lord with your tithe. I believe that, now, my wife and I, we honor the Lord with our tithe, but we honor him more for what he has done, not for what he's going to do. Our offerings honor him for what he's going to do. But he opens that windows of heaven. Then he said he'd rebuke the devourer for our sakes. There's many times, let me tell you one more story and I'm done. He said he'd rebuke the devourer for our sakes. So, I went moose hunting for my, a couple years ago, my father-in-law, my head usher, myself, went moose hunting. I always wanted to shoot a moose. So um, we're up in Canada in moose hunting. And, um, you know, these guides don't tell you this. Elf herders don't tell you whether we got the worst time to moose hunt there was because they want your money, you know. So there were seven of us up there, three of us from my father-in-law was with me, who's barely a Christian, but, you know, I love the guy. He's like my, he's like my own father. So my father-in-law, my head usher, who's one of our best givers, were up moose hunting. And there's four other guys that came up, and they separated us, and we went on horseback 10, 12 miles. This way, they were, the other guys were up there. They knew I was a preacher, so they put us with, you know, they didn't want us with the four guys because that's all they do is drink whiskey and party all night. And so they put us in another camp. So here we're out hunting. It's a 10-day hunt. We're back in the woods, no shower for 10 days. It was great. It was one of the neat things. No shower for 10 days. It was actually 13 days before I took a shower. It was great. I loved it, man. It was great. Wall tent, snow, cold, horseback. And so we're back there. Day one goes by, no moose. Day goes by, no moose. Day three, no moose. Day four, no moose. Day five, no moose. Day six, no moose. Day seven, no moose. I'm going, I paid a lot of money for this trip. I need a moose. So I got my head usher and I said, bro, I said, you, my friend, are a tither, and I'm a tither. And I said, I believe that the devourer has been rebuked. So right now, I tithe, I pay my tithe. If the Lord has to bring a moose in from 82 miles away, he better bring it in now. It's got to start on its way because I only got three more days left. <laughs> Next day, for some reason, my father-in-law was somebody else. I'm with my head usher. I was, wasn't, I was with another guide all week long, but I was with this guide, my head usher's guide, and uh, myself, us three, and we're walking. Looking across this field 100, 150 yards away. I said, I think that's a moose. I said, hey, guide, I, said, I think that's a moose. He said, that's a moose? <laughs> so they snuck around, left me out in the middle of the field in case the moose come back out. Bam! Byron shoots his moose. Nice, 38-inch, beautiful paddles moose. I'm kind of mad because I saw the moose first. You know, that's my moose, really. I thought that was my moose, you know. <laughs> so next day we get the moose out of there. That might have been day six, whatever it was. But get the moose out of there. 
The next day, walking along, I'm walking along with the same guy, walking along. We're about ready to go this way. It's getting almost dark. We're about ready to go this way and make a big swing, half-mile swing around to the horses again. And I'm walking along there, and he said, do you hear that? I said, no, I didn't hear that. He said, I think I heard a moose. I said, you did? He said, let's go this way. I said, you're the guide, you know? So we start walking over there. All of a sudden, I hear this. He said, that's a moose. I said, cool. <laughs> Make a long story short. Bam. Two mooses down. 40 inch. I had to beat my head usher. 40 inch moose. Seven guys. Two moose. Two tithers. Only two tithers got moose. <laughs> the devourer's been rebuked for my sake. Amen. Cancer has no right to be in my household because I'm a tither. Amen. Poverty has no right to be in my household because I'm a tither. Amen. The devourer's been rebuked for my sake. Good deals are constantly coming my way. I shop with Jesus. Good deals are coming my way. Amen. You wouldn't believe what I make compared to how I live because I'm blessed of the Lord. Because the devourer has been rebuked for my sake. Let me pray for you tonight. Is there people out Just bow your heads with me for a moment. Is there, are, are you out there tonight where maybe you, maybe you haven't treated the tithe as holy? And I just, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to Pastor Mark right after this. And if you want more on this tithe as holy thing, there's three more lessons or two more lessons besides this that will just rock your world, give you some of the more of the benefits of, of tithing. But I just want to bring you back to a place of holiness. I hope I didn't offend you. I don't want to offend you, but this is the message God's given me, and you didn't save me. He did, so I'm going to preach this message all across the world. But is there people out there tonight you just let down in that area? You've gotten into fear because you thought you might lose your job, or maybe you're not budgeting right, or whatever it might be. But your sincere desire is to get things right with God. I just want to pray for you. I just want to believe God with you. And those of you who maybe just say, okay, yeah, I can see where I've I'm tired, but I just haven't made it holy. It's, it hasn't been reverent to me. And this church is in for greatness, but it's going to take a committed people that have a heart towards God. And then he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Am I speaking to you tonight? Can I pray for you? Just lift your hand and put it right back down. If there's something you want to do with that, you know, see them all over there. Father, I pray for every single person. They raised their hand, and I won't even remember who they were, but you will. So, Lord, I just thank you for probably a third of the room raising their hand. I pray in Jesus' name that the Spirit of God would just minister to them, Father. There's no condemnation for what they've done in the past or haven't done in the past. I release them from any condemnation of not honoring the Lord. That's just a bunch of religious garbage, Father. We just go on from this day forward, forward to the things of God. There's no condemnation if they miss. There's no condemnation if they don't. We're not talking about a law. We're talking about under grace. But... Let this, be a, uh, let this be a time of reverence to the people from this point forward. And let the tithe be holy in this place from this point forward. And I pray for prosperity, for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits and sales commissions, abundance in every realm for these people. And I thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.